Welcome to another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, how a dating-like app might help you become a homeowner. A bankruptcy study has found more insolvency is starting to hit more higher-income Canadians. Have you been lost for words when someone close to you dies? Do you worry you might say the wrong thing? Hospice Simcoe wants to help. And the Barry Colts quest for a playoff spot continues. We get the conversation started after this. So everybody's still tripping over themselves, trying to figure out this affordable housing crisis and how to get people into houses. And uh, Derek Battaglia, Barry Mortgage Broker and uh, founder of yellowbrick.ca, which combines mortgages and real estate, has come up with a, a house hitched idea, he calls it. He joins us now, and this is like a dating app almost. It is. It's very similar, Dan. Thanks for having me on your on your program. So um, I would often get clients coming into my my office and taking applications and they're great great clients good credit out of school recently or just getting new jobs or salaries of around a hundred thousand dollars and uh, they're disappointed because they don't qualify to buy anything with a hundred thousand dollars five years ago lined up yeah. not a problem yeah. no stress test and um, you know prices were quite a bit lower but um, you know we've seen this uh, housing affordability crisis leak its way in no supply and lots of buyers stress test you know i'm turning away people that don't have access to co-signers like family or any of those normal channels where they can get help to buy because a co-signer can help someone in that situation and you know came up with this idea of, of pairing these people who are great applicants together and it's not unusual to see that happening quietly behind the scenes even my nephew for example he bought a home last year with two of his buddies uh, all combining their income, mm-hmm. and uh, they were roommates before, coming out of out of university, so they're familiar with you know each other. In that in that case, that was just kind of the impetus to how I started to think. Well, how do we get these people matched up? How do we get them together? And we know they like it because they were roommates. People room yeah, together yeah. In, in college, university. Mm-hmm. They you know they know how how expensive rent is. And uh, they're they're taking just one room and spending a thousand dollars. Then they don't mind sharing a house, and it's just the way you know our expectations in Canada are changing. Uh, have had to change. There has to be a new bar, a new level. So it's it's a format where you can you can find rent rental buddies or housing purchasing friends, and you put in your profile, and you you can even say you know you you're, you're you like pets, you have allergies, right? right yeah. Uh, just like a dating site. And you know, where you want to buy, what city you enter in a basic application and we pair you up. So we're starting here in Barrie. Uh, we want to start small, get as many applicants here to see how the, how, what kind of a response we can get. And if it, if it works well, we'll expand into other cities. Excuse me. You use the example of college buddies doing it. So like you said, they obviously know each other and, and, uh, and, uh, know they can live with each yes. other. Now you're trying to hitch other people up, but you know, some of the pitfalls are going to be maybe down the road. So you look good on paper, but once you get in there, yeah. then what happens if things go off the rails? Well, it's like any, any partnership. Uh, there's legal, there'll be some legal documents that are part standard inside, inside of all of this that they'll sign that says if things do go wrong, that there's a, you know, there's a, a sales scenario that happens or one can buy out the other. So it's all legally documented. I'm not worried about that. It's just everyone's, so long as the disclosure is up front, 
They know what they're getting themselves into. You know, what's the worst case scenario? You've, you've met a new friend who's just like you, mm-hmm. who's got mm-hmm. the same interests. And that that's the bottom line. It's, it's very similar to a dating site. If you want to match up with a male or a female, if, you know, two males, three males, it doesn't matter. We've got investor profiles as well. So if you don't make it uh, with the banks as far as qualifying, we have potential other lenders, alternative lenders lined up. And, um, you know, so we're really excited about it. referral partners uh, are joining in, realtors, bankers, uh, accountants, lawyers, uh, appraisers. They're all part of the program. So yeah, I, was going to ask, I was going to ask, what kind of reaction did you get from, from all of those people when you went out with this idea? Well, it's brand new. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm getting this, what is going on here? Like, this is, <laughs> is this for real? What are you uh, thinking? You know, like, let me think, let me scratch my head. Yeah. This is a dating site for buying, <laughs> you know, how such they get it. And the video on the, on the website really explains it well. Uh, it's exciting. Everyone that's seen it, they, they just are so excited about it. Um, I've got some interest from uh, other f- large dating sites that want to get involved really? and help me wow. l- help me off get off the ground because mm-hmm. they have international uh, potential um, uh, reach. Right. Um, you know, so there's some integral um, merging that in with the the mortgage side. Well, this is the thing; it's thinking outside of the box. And sometimes when you have these kinds of situations, like we have in the housing market, you have to think outside of the box. You have to think radically, and and this is radical. This it, is different. Nobody's ever done this. It's very different. I have a, a friend who has a database of two thousand builders, and and he's blasted this out to them, and the reaction has been very very positive because you've got these builders out there who are sitting with these new projects. And the buyers can't qualify, a lot of them can't qualify. So if they register to come onto this uh, site, then they can register their projects and we can get the buyers into their projects as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's getting a lot of different tributaries are opening up for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a fee to join or do you just get on the website and there's go no, to it? There's no fee. Uh, it's the referral partners that will pay for the uh, referrals they get. And there's an app in development stage right now in the, in the beta stage. So the, the landing page for housetitch.com gets us registered to get ready for the app. But in the meantime, I can communicate directly with the people that come in. That's why I want to keep it fairly barrier-oriented right now. Mm-hmm. If it goes beyond that, fine. But that way, I can interact with the, the people that are joining in Barrie in particular, you the may surrounding ha- area. You may have to get into the wedding business, too, because you may be bringing <laughs> people together and they find they really like each other. Well, I'd like that. <laughs> Maybe not the wedding business. I'll refer that off to someone. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line is you're trying to help out in, in a really dire situation at the moment, and it doesn't look like it's going to flip around anytime soon. So whatever we can do to, to help people a, a achieve those kinds of dreams is great. Dan, it's not flipping around. There's no question. There, this, The supply issues and, and the immigration, the population growth, it's not going to change. Um, there's just not enough supply to bring the house prices down. So if someone's waiting to get into the market, I have to say right now, if you look at the charts, this is the time to buy. We're at a, you know, in this market with the uncertainty and the high rates, higher rates, I should say, they're not high rates relative to how they've been over years. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, they're coming down. I expect rates to drop three quarters of a point in the next 12 months. That's what the word I'm getting Mm -hmm. from the people I'm speaking to out there. I was just at a conference and the previous Bank of Canada governor was there, had a chance to talk with him. The TD Bank uh, chief uh, economist had a chance to talk with him. So 
it's looking like rates are coming down. So the variable rate mortgage is, is maybe a popular option if you're renewing. It's something you want to talk to me about. But that's my expertise. Um, and this is adding to it. It's, it's getting those frustrated people out there. They're great applicants. They just don't have enough to get in the market. Well, this is, this is going to help them. Website and phone number, if you've got one, you can hand out for this? Yeah, househitched.com. And um, at the moment, you can call 705-797-8811. That's my office line. And then, of course, Derek, D-A-R-I-C-K dot C-A is my, is my main uh, mortgage pad. I'm super stoked and excited to uh, see what, if I can just help one. I'd love yeah. to see yeah. one couple come together from this. It would just be magic for me. All right. When they come together, let us know. We'll talk some more. That'd be great. Thanks, Dan. Derek, thanks so much for coming in. Take care. Finding a partner to share that mortgage and household expenses has become more of a necessity even for higher-income Canadians. Hoyes Michaelis' Joe Detter survey released last week found more and more in that high-income group becoming insolvent, filing for bankruptcy or requiring a consumer proposal to get their heads back above water. Personal insolvencies in Ontario were up 26% last year from the year before, and the outlook isn't good. Barry 360's MJ hears more about the study and how you can keep things in check from Mark Borziak, a licensed insolvency trustee with Hoyes, Michaelis, and Barry. Are you guys surprised by by these numbers and how high they are? I guess not really. I mean, every year we uh, we do the study based on our clients for the year. We come out with the the analytics or the information, and so I mean, I guess this year what was interesting is the the trend more higher income debtors and then real estate debtors uh, over the prior years. But with what's going on in the economy, I guess it makes sense. Uh, going back to some of the trends that you guys have been seeing, what are your predictions for 2024? Uh, I think, unfortunately, more people are going to be having to file for insolvency, whether it be a bankruptcy or consumer proposal. Uh, with the interest rates as high as they are right now, it seems that more and more people are at that breaking point. Uh, I mean, from the numbers we had, it uh, there was a shift in terms of the demographics. So individuals that are older, I guess older is a poor term, but it's a higher age individual to higher income now that's that's filing compared to prior years. So that trend continues. Unfortunately, more people are probably going to have to file. I mean, if you look at what the interest rates are, what shelter costs are for mortgages and rent, and what energy prices are for vehicles and gas and everything, unfortunately, a lot of households don't have a lot of leftover money at the end of the day. I know you can't see into the future, but what would have to happen for people to sort of for this to level off a little bit, give people a bit of a break. Hopefully, if interest rates go in the, go down, that'll help. If you have a variable mortgage, obviously, with the lower interest rate, your your payments are going to go down. Um, cost of living, unfortunately, I don't know if that's ever going to go down though, um, or if wages increase. But unfortunately, at, at this point, we're we're stuck in a high cost of living, high interest scenario, so it's tight. No matter how bad things seem, and I can understand when people are under the incredible amount of weight of debt, it can seem like you you just can't come up for air. And you say the word things like bankruptcy, and they have such a, a red flag, a bad connotation. It's not the end of the world if, if this is something that they have to look at. It's a tool. So uh, the options we help individuals out with is usually bankruptcy or consumer proposal, and they're both options to help with your debt. Um, sometimes bankruptcy is the best option. It, it gets rid of your debt. It usually lowers your payments. It get you debt-free and on your uh, path to a fresh start. So does the consumer proposal, but they're both options to help you move forward. What's the difference between, uh, say, filing for bankruptcy and a consumer proposal? 
Uh, well, the consumer proposal, we're just bargaining with your creditors to to cut a deal to pay back a portion of your debt. Whereas with the bankruptcy, uh, you're, you're generally surrendering some of your assets and there's a required payment based on your income. If you don't have assets and your income's low, maybe a bankruptcy is a good option for you. Whereas if you have some assets and there's equity like a house and you're a higher income, excuse me, a higher income earner, then a consumer proposal is probably a better option for you. What do you say to people that are really hesitant to possibly do this? How much would it help them even just having a breather or a sense of relief? Well, yeah, our consultations are free. Uh, so giving us a call, there's no cost. We go over your options. So yeah, it's uh, it's never a bad idea to to call to ask for help. Um, best case, I mean, maybe there's another option for you. It could be a budgeting uh, aspect. If you have a house and there's equity, I mean, you can try and refinance, so there might be better options there. Uh, but if a consumer proposal or bankruptcy is the better option, maybe we would assist you through that process. What Barry's talking about is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry and Simcoe County have to offer and more. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through any podcast distributor. Still to come on What Barry's Talking About, what to say, what not to say when somebody you know dies. And a look back at how the Barry Colts fared last week and how it impacted their playoff hopes. Now this. It's cool to care. It's a well-known fact blood transfusion saves lives. It's also a well-known fact that the world relies on voluntary unpaid donations to fill the need for blood. The need for blood never ends. Canadian Blood Services in Barrie is calling on you to help save a life. Please consider donating today. Appointments are mandatory and must be booked in advance. Book today at blood.ca through the Give Blood app or by calling one 888 donate Cool to Care is brought to you by the Peggy Hill Team. Keeping it real all the way to sold. Reach out now at PeggyHill.com. It's Cool to Care with 107.5 Cool FM. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry360. I'm Dan Blakely. A close friend dies, perhaps a colleague, a member of your family. What do you say? How do you reach out? We often fumble for the words, worry that we've said the wrong thing. Hospice Simcoe holding a workshop to help with that. Barry 360's Ian McLennan gets the details and some advice from Tennille Campbell, Community Support Program Manager with Hospice Simcoe. Hospice Simcoe will be hosting a forum, for lack of a better word, in March that's called Dying Matters. What's behind that title? Yeah, so Dying Matters is a series that's designed to initiate conversations about dying, death, and bereavement. Um, We started this about four years ago um, when we had constant people coming in to talk to us about struggling with the conversation. Um, So this specific event is titled, What to Say When You Don't Know What to Say, and it explores how to acknowledge and support those in our lives who are grieving. So this can be anybody. This can be family, friends, neighbors, colleagues, anybody who's experienced a loss. And what, um, when they come to this forum, what what are the topics? I mean, is it about, because uh, nobody uses the word dying, it seems now. It's, you know, it's passed away, they've gone away, or I don't mean to be disrespectful, mm-hmm. but it, why is dying a scary word? Yeah, we've experienced that for years and years and years. People are afraid to say the word dying, almost like it's going to happen if they use that language. Uh, and we're here to say it's not. We're, we're all going to experience this. We're all going to die ourselves, and we're going to experience the death of a loved one. Um, we have people come to us all the time saying things like, you know, I don't know what to say, or how do I help? Or I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. I'm afraid to use that language. Or we have clients coming in saying, oh, I wish my loved one didn't say that to me. Or people don't know how to acknowledge me and my grief. This event is to help point individuals in the right direction. 
it's really giving you ideas of what to say or not say to help people who have experienced the death. Is there a wrong and a, and a, and a right and wrong column things not to say or— Hundred percent, there is, and we hear this often in our support groups. Um, we can write a book of things that you shouldn't say to somebody. For instance, sometimes people like to hear, you know, they're in a better place, and sometimes people don't want to hear that because the better place is here with you. We all, often also hear people say, you know, let me know what you need, but there's never a follow up from that. So really telling somebody what you want. Do you want that casserole in your freezer? Do you want that phone call every day to touch base? Um, do you want that check in? Um, just being very specific with what our needs are. And does it, uh, is there a big a gap or difference when we're talking about a de- death of an adult or a, compared to a, to a child? I don't know if anything would be more challenging, but, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with somebody who's, who's had that, uh, uh, you know, death in the family. Yeah, so we provide support to anyone that's died, including children, and we do offer um, children bereavement support as well as adult child loss support groups. We do find that although they might go through the similar waves of grief and bereavement, um, those that have experienced the death of a child tend to be a little bit more stuck for a period of time. So hospice is there to support them every step of the way. How do you know what to say? I mean, as a base, maybe on maybe you have a better understanding of who this person is, mm-hmm. or yeah, you know, they may be a family member as opposed mm-hmm. to a to a friend. How do you get through to know what what to say? That what are the proper words? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that you have to fill that silence with words. And sometimes just being present and listening and acknowledging and saying the loved one's name goes a long way as well. Um, I think we follow the lead of the person we're talking to, um, and we just are open to that conversation to begin with. And is that the same for the person who's had the uh, death in the family? Do they ever reach out uh, to, to their you know, support system afterwards or you know, what, what they're looking for? Yeah, they can. But again, sometimes I feel people don't know what to say in those moments. Um, so again, this this presentation from our Dying Matter series can help with that as well. How do I even start that conversation? How do I tell people what my needs are? Um, we can give little tips and tricks on that. It's a challenge. I mean, we've all experienced either we've been on probably, we've been on the side of the fence where we've, you know, cared for somebody and mm-hmm. they have died or what will people take away from this, do you think? I'm hoping that they take away practical skills, but also I hope that we encourage them to at least initiate the conversation. We encourage them to knock on their neighbor's door and check on them. Uh, We'll encourage them to use the words death and dying and bereavement and seeking support when they feel as though they need it. We're just hoping to initiate that conversation. That's our overall goal. I don't know if you've done like a history on it. Why have we moved away from the word dying? When did that start, do you know? Or what, where we've, um, George Carlin, I I brought him up in our conversation Mm -hmm. Before we turned on the microphone here, where he goes, nobody dies anymore. They pass away. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? Or is there anything wrong with that? Yeah. So I think back in the day, we did a lot better work with dying. We used the sense of community and we supported one another. Um, we've, we've just lost that. We've become very isolated, um, especially when you throw COVID into the mix. We've been very much isolated in our own homes. And I think that we just struggle to make connections like we used to. We struggle to have those conversations like we used to have. And all in all, we're afraid to say the wrong thing to make somebody upset. And sometimes that word dying and death make people uncomfortable. And that's what um, us as humans don't want. So I think there's a natural struggle to even use that language. So if people looking for that kind of support or learning more of this seminar, when is it taking place, the times and where? Yeah, so join us on March 19th from 6 to 8 at the Traditions Banquet Hall, which is 142 John Street. There is no cost to this event, but we do ask that you register first. And you can do that by calling the Hospice Simcoe Community Support Building at 705-725-1140.
The Barry Colts earned a split of their two games last weekend. Goalie Ben West was chosen OHL Netminder of the Week. The skate to the playoffs continues. Here's our Will Conkin and Colts writer Gene Pereira. I think to start, we have to congratulate head coach Marty Williamson. After the last two, he's now coached over 1,000 games, uh, seventh coach in OHL history to do it. It was nice to see, uh, you know, even in Friday in Mississauga, which was his official 1,000th game, uh, they paid uh, a tribute to him. And, uh, you know, then Saturday they had the pregame ceremony, uh, a little bit of a pregame ceremony, a celebration for him. And, you know, Marty, obviously, with his two stints in Barry, he's been very successful and, uh, you know, really one of the coaches just love to deal with. Uh, uh, you know, and he's had a lot of success over the years, even with that Niagara team. And here in Barry, uh, taking him to a championship. And, uh, you know, it's funny, when uh, I first met Marty, he had come over from the Aurora Tigers, and uh, then owner Mark Stubbs, who had bought the team, uh, you know, bought him over from Aurora. And uh, the first time I met them, uh, he's you know, doing an interview, and uh, I know Mark Stubbs was talking. Basically, they were more of a defensive team, and just saying that, you know, they'd rather lose 7 6 and play exciting hockey than win 2 1. And I just, I just remember looking at Marty's face <laughs> when he said that. And, you know, after a few seconds, Marty just kind of, no, we're going to take the 2 1 win. <laughs> You know, uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's just, um, you know, you can see with the players, I think they're really happy for the coach. And, uh, uh, you know, look, I mean, you, you know, you look at the player, uh, other coaches and the names, Burt Templeton and Brian Kilray and George Burnett and Stan Butler and Dale Hunter. And, you know, there's some big names there that are part of that group of seven that have played seven, uh, that have coached 1,000 games. So, really nice to see uh, Marty get uh, his, uh, his uh, just recognition. It's big time for sure. So um, switching back to the games, um, what were you seeing from the team, uh, positives, negatives from these last two? Um, they had a tough penalty at the end of the, that Steelheads game. Yeah, that was a, a bit of a tough break there. I mean, Friday, I mean, they played playing much better on the road. And, uh, uh, you know, there was a game there where Ronick Shogland had scored to tie it at four late. It looked like they were surely going to get a, a point there. And uh, with about three minutes left, uh, Jack Browdy, uh, after the whistle had gone, and, you know, you, you see a lot of this in front of the net, a lot of pushing and shoving. And, uh, you know, usually the officials kind of let it go, but this time Browdy had cross-checked the player and he got called uh, for it. And, uh, that led to a Mississauga power play and, uh, you know, the, what turned out to be the game winner. So a bit of a tough break for the young defenseman and, uh, you know, but uh, talking to the coaching staff, they said it's, it's a bit of a learning experience for him and uh, it wasn't a great penalty to take late in the game. And, you know, they hadn't played too bad in that game. I mean, obviously Mississauga was really pumped up having lost two previous games at home to Barry. So, uh, they were looking, but, uh, you know, again, Barry had put themselves in a place that, you know, they looked like they were certainly going to get a point and, uh, you know, maybe two. And then back Saturday at home against Kingston, obviously a bit of a big game. If they want to catch uh, Kingston in that seventh spot, uh, Kingston was six points ahead of Barry coming in. Uh, so it's a bit of a four-point swing. You go from four if you win to, to eight, you know, the other way if you lose. And, uh uh, Barry played really well at home, uh, which they've you know they've done all season, and uh, uh, you know they get a big win. Uh, Kingston gets a couple of late goals, of course, to make it close, but uh, the Colts come out with a, 
kind of track down Kingston here as we head into these final 20 games of the regular season. Seems like another positive is uh, Bo Gelsma moved sides. Uh, he's really excelling in that new spot. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting watching Bo Gelsma's really been playing center all year. And Marty kind of, you know, a few games back changed the lines. And, you know, Zach Weigel has, uh, has been really uh, offensively, has really stepped forward. And uh, Marty put Bo on the left side with uh, Weigel and uh, Durbridge. And, uh, you know, that line, uh, you know, they, they had some success. But talking to Marty Williamson and uh, Chris uh, Barsky, the associate coach, you know, Chris told me, like I asked him about, you know, the, the idea behind that and, and uh, you know, getting that. And they, they talked about just the speed that Jelson brings on that left side. And you see a lot. Uh, Bo's really been taking the puck to the net. He's been able to get around defensemen and kind of cut in front. And it's, it's led to uh, several goals. And um, I think they're kind of taking advantage of that. And he's really responded to Bo here. Um, he's, you know, he's starting to put up the, uh, the offensive numbers and, uh, um, he just had a lot of success on that left side with, uh, with, with that line. On the schedule for the Colts, uh, the Saginaw Spirit tonight, uh, Ottawa 67s for Saturday, and then uh, as well a Monday afternoon game against the Kingston Frontenacs again. Um, that's a couple, uh, a couple of tough ones for the Colts. Yeah, that Thursday obviously got the Memorial Cup host, and you know Barry can take some confidence into that. I mean, they had a late lead in Saginaw last week uh, uh, on the road there against a really good hockey club, and uh, a couple of tough penalties they, they took late, and Saginaw was able to kind of end up pulling that one out in overtime. But you know, uh, you know, the thing here is that you get them on home ice here, and that'll be a really good test again for this young club. And then Saturday. Get an Ottawa team that had kind of struggled a bit there, but it looks like they're starting to turn things around again, and they made some big moves in the deadline. And then, of course, Monday uh, in in Kingston, again, those head-to-head games with the team you're trying to catch are, are, are so big. And uh, so, again, uh, another, uh, you know, starts with a tough test at home. And But if Barry can, you know, find a way to get a, a win on Thursday night, uh, you know, and kind of carry that momentum uh, going into the weekend. Always appreciate the insight there, Gene. Thanks, Will. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian, MJ, and Will for their input, to Matt Ladder for his technical touch, and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on X at Barry360, on our website, barry360.com, and there's our daily Kickstart podcast available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.